The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Last week on International Day of the Girl, 1,000 transition year students from across Ireland gathered together for Shine. Inspiring panels, speakers and musicians over two days. Here's a chance to listen back to just some of those voices, starting with the founder of Shona.ie and the Shine Festival, Tammy Darcy. We can't all be really good in school academically gifted, we can't all be good at sport, we can't all be popular, we can't all be amazing singers, but every single one of us can be kind. It's such an easy thing to do. So every single speaker who's here today has one thing in common, and that's that they will be 100% real with you. They won't pretend that they have life figured out, that they don't make mistakes, because that wouldn't be real. First, you must have respect for yourself. Because if you don't respect yourself, how do you expect others to respect you? Love who you are. My name is Alan Keane, and when I was a little girl, I never noticed that I was any different. Until maybe 11, 12, started, started noticing that the world was kind of looking at me a little bit differently. And I started noticing everyone staring at me, and I started to notice that actually I am, I am a bit different, and my biggest difference to everyone else was my arms. So, and I'd honestly, this is how I lived my life. I'd fold my sleeves so it made it look like I had two hands. And it was really, really stressful, because in my head, what I was saying is, you're not good enough, you're not worthy, no one will ever love you, you have to be the same as everyone else. Are they looking at me differently? Do they know? And I did that for eight years of my life. It took me 13 years to figure out, I need to put myself first, my brain first, I need to put my mental health first, I need to start being kinder to myself, I need to start saying, I can do this until I believe I can do this. And then in 2021, I went to the Paralympic Games and I won this. Um, so it took me 13 years to win a medal. People had told me I'd probably win from day one. And my proudest achievement wasn't actually that I'd won the gold medal. My proudest achievement was so what I do before I race is I listen to music and I put headphones on and it gets me in the mood. And one, that's one of the things I use as inspiration and motivation. Whenever I, I really need to focus in on something, I have a playlist. So it was like all like Eminem and things like that. And my playlist on Spotify ran out. And then a random song came on. And the random song that came on was <laughs> Katy Perry, Unconditionally, which is all about loving someone unconditionally no matter what. And I listened to those lyrics right before I went out for my race. And I told myself, okay, no matter what happens here, I'll love myself unconditionally. And that's why winning that gold medal meant so much to me because I had finally conquered all that hate I was spewing on myself. I finally figured it out. Can you say that? Very good. Don't you forget that because one day people will be screaming your names 
like you're screaming my name today. Yeah? Very good. Several values, but there are five that really guide me in everything that I do. The first is consistency. For everything that I do, I do it the same over and over again until I know it like the back of my hand. When you hear somebody has been called a guru or an expert or they're really good at what they do, do you think they go to sleep and wake up and they don't do nothing? They practice and practice and practice and practice till they're really good at it. And when they make a mistake, I don't consider it a mistake. I consider it a lesson in how not to do the same thing next time. Second value is respect. Is what? Respect. Respect for self and respect for others. First, you must have respect for yourself. Because if you don't respect yourself, how do you expect others to respect you? Love who you are. Nobody's perfect. Can you repeat that? Nobody's perfect. Say that again. Say louder. Love yourself. Respect yourself so that others can respect you. Third value is integrity. Is what? Integrity. Very key. I always say my name is what I sell. What's my name? Yemi Adenuga. Absolutely. My name is what I sell. So anything that will tarnish my image, I don't go near it. Because I don't want people saying, oh, well, do you see, this such and such happened, and Yemi was involved. So I mind where I go, I mind who I'm, in, I'm, I'm mingling with, and I mind who I allow in my circle. Now, the fourth value is do unto others as you have them do unto you. So what you don't want someone to do to you, don't do it to them. And the last but not the least is love. It's what? Love for self, love for friends, love for others, love for me. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> Unconditional. Unconditional. everybody. Hi guys, uh, great to be here and I'm so delighted. Je it's my first time at this festival and to see you all here really, really is positive and to know that there's people watching online again is that's brilliant. Yeah, this time two years ago, I had never set foot in an ocean rowing boat. And this February, on the 24th of February this year, I landed into Barbados in the West Indies after rowing 3,200 miles on my own in a boat which is 25 foot long. You'll see it, this is the boat here, 25 foot long, living in there for 80 days, solo and unsupported. By doing that, it not only made me the first Irish female to row any ocean solo, but it also made me the 20th woman in the world ever to row an ocean solo. So my 
message to you is, if I hadn't got into a boat two years ago, or if I hadn't got in a boat even a year and a half ago, an ocean rowing boat, I wouldn't have succeeded in that, that dream. And the thing that I'm always telling schools and colleges, every single age group, and I'm telling you today, is to dream big. Because if you look outside the box, if you think outside the box, and you don't always have to follow all the sheep, if you want to go off on a tangent and do something different, do that, because I am living proof that that's really, really possible. So my name is Sarah, I'm a life coach. My job is to help you guys feel deadly. And you all look amazing today, so thank you for being here. You guys are 15, 16? Okay, so just a couple of years younger than myself. When I was 15 or 16, I really, really struggled. And when I was becoming a life coach, my dream was to, in whatever way I could figure out, to help 15 and 16-year-olds just feel better about themselves. Because things felt that hard for me when I was your age going through school. I remember feeling painfully uncomfortable in my body. I remember struggling with trying to find out where I belonged. Was this group of friends my friends? Or was it this group of friends? I remember feeling like I was never enough. I remember thinking that what I did was never enough. But then I started to change the narrative to I can, to I am enough. And today is my day. And when I started to pay attention to those thoughts, when I started to change the narrative to I can, to I am enough, to I can shine, that's when my life started to change. Dreams stopped becoming just dreams and started to become things that I was living every single day. So ladies, I want to hear you say after me, I can. Oh, now louder than that. Stand up. For every single time your inner critic said, you can't do this, I want to hear you say, yes, I can. Yes, I can. For every time your inner critic said, you're not enough, I want to hear you say, I am enough. Guys, I want to hear you scream it until you start to believe it. Repeat after me, I can. I am enough. And today I will shine. Give yourselves a round of applause, guys. On Beat 102-103. It's the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103 and journalist and author Leah Dawn Hines joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning to talk about tractor dates, macro babies and swiping right, aka her new book Courting. Leah Dawn travelled through rural Ireland to hear stories on meeting the one at a time when meeting that one has become more and more about new technology and she is on the phone this morning to tell us like what it's like to swipe right when at the same time you have to get up at five in the morning to milk those cows. Hi, Leah Dawn. How are you? Hi, Orla. How are you? Lovely to talk to you. Lovely to talk to you as well. Now, I know as a country person myself, Mm -hmm. a person from a city 
coming to talk to me about my country living. I don't know where that sits with me. Did you find there was a little bit of, oh, what's this about? Yeah, it's funny that... Yeah, no, th- that question has come up and no, I didn't. One, n- not once I was kind of engaged with somebody and they were kind of happy to talk to me. Mm. I think a lot of people kind of quite like to tell their story, you know, and there's always that feeling like what I've noticed since the book is out is a lot of people saying to me, oh, I can't wait to read it to see if my experience is mm. here. And I think we all kind of like, you know, to kind of not necessarily all to the state of sharing it in a book but you know there's something kind of almost comforting about you know sharing your experiences and then it being reflected back to you that other people have had a similar kind of experience I think as well what I'd probably say is that like it really wasn't about me at all Mm. beyond my abilities as a writer and an interviewer to kind of you know tell a story and also very importantly to make people feel comfortable that this was going to be something that you know like I was very, very much working with everyone I spoke to. So really, you know, it, it was it was just about only about me in the sense of kind of telling stories. My own background kind of wasn't I, I, I didn't feel it was kind of anyone felt it was really relevant in that way. Uh-huh. Yeah. And your first book was about you. It was about your experience yes. of your <laughs> marriage breakup. It was called uh, How right. to Fall Apart, yeah. if people want to look for it. Yeah. Um, and you made a podcast series on, on the same subject. So why did you decide to stay on the love theme? In particular, I suppose, I mean, yeah, there was definitely similar, similar themes um, kind of love and connection and the, mm. the, the importance of our community felt like really uh, natural kind of um, uh, segues, I suppose, um, into it. And, and themes that I, like you say, um, had really explored in my first book probably was like, OK, move on now from telling my own story. That's enough about me. Mm. But definitely um, that sense of kind of, I suppose as well, exploring love in the context of it not like romantic love, not necessarily always being the love that people found to be the thing that sustained them. Um, Because what I noticed uh, talking to people for this book was that a lot of the time there was almost like a tension between place and person as in finding a person and that people had either grown up in a place or moved to a place that offered them a really specific lifestyle that really was the thing that sustained them. And sometimes that would mean that they would maybe know, okay, this might kind of get in the way of me meeting someone Mm -hmm. because I've moved to, for example, an island community with less than 200 people or because you know, I'm really passionate about being a farmer and I really want to meet someone who understands that and that kind of, you know, might limit who I'm going to meet. But, you know, that that was kind of, that was okay. And it was the lifestyle or their community. And, you know, it was really interesting. We did an event last week in Kenny's bookstore in Galway where two of the women who were in the book really kindly joined me on a panel with Adele Coffee. Mm -hmm. And that really came up that like I was saying, for example, I had noticed, you know, when I would tell people that I'd met my boyfriend, sometimes there'd be this reaction of kind of like, oh, like, okay, now you're really okay, you know? And I'd be like, well, yeah, he's wonderful. And I, he's one of my favorite people. And I'm, you know, he's But you were okay anyway. But I was okay before. Like I wrote a a whole book of it. I was really, I really was okay, you know? And it was really interesting because Lisa, who is in the book, in courting and is, you know, she's single and she was talking about not wanting it, you know, she doesn't want children. And she talked about that kind of like being greeted almost by like puzzlement of Mm. like, and but why, you know, why are you single and what's really going on? And then Betsy, who is like me, separated and a single mum, you know, she talked about that thing again of like when you meet someone, then you're kind of seen as, yeah. you know, oh, now everything's OK. So I was really interested in that angle as well. As so something kind of I really, the, right. 
the whole idea of what society sees as normal and yeah 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 and like being single never quite being kind of enough mm. like you're not really there and so it was really interesting to kind of see that reflected back in a lot of these interviews that it would be you know it was place that really was that word kind of sustained people yeah yeah, yeah. and like whether it be the lifestyle or the, you know, the community often was was so important to people. Um, so that was a really, felt like a really nice continuation of things that I'd kind of explored and how to fall apart. And did you find that there was anyone that their place hindered what they ultimately wanted and that they moved on because of it? Um, no, do you know what? I didn't really. Okay. Um, I suppose, um, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm looking through my chapter list mm. here. Um. No, but I I talked to a mixture of so the book is in four four um, sections. So there's the land, which is you know talking to people who are in farming. Mm-hmm. Then there are blow-ins. So that's people who have actively chosen <laughs> okay. where they are. Yeah, <laughs> said in the most Poor loving blow-ins. and respectful of ways. Oh, listen. <laughs> but but all had you know really chosen the place they yeah. wanted. So obviously they weren't weren't moving on. And then there's also a section about people who are coming home. Uh-huh. Um, who have returned. So again, they're kind of active, actively choosing. Mm. There's a, ch- a section called Finding Your Tribe where when I was grouping the, the chapters together, it definitely felt like there were people who just by sheer dint of being themselves and living their lives had f- maybe found themselves slightly outside the kind of prescribed ways of being yes. and uh, strug- struggled that a little bit. But none of them, none of them really f- to the point of I'd have to get out of this place. Or and they regret you know, it, yeah. 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 No, I mean, there was definitely things people had struggled with, but nothing, nothing definitively negative. Yeah. You two very Irish um, sections there, land and blow ins. Mm. Don't you? Mm-hmm. Isn't that so Irish? <laughs> <laughs> the two of them. Yeah. I mean, the land thing is so interesting and like, you know, um, like so interesting, even people's response in talking about land and, um, one of the things that really struck me, I thought it was kind of really moving was, you know, you talk to people who are in farming and mm. that's obviously just one part of the book. But um, this sense of like a communal responsibility for something that was being passed down through generations. You know, there's a chapter mm-hmm. called um, The Home Place where Ed, who's in his 30s, he ha- talks about his father having this saying, be a gatherer, not a scatterer. And, you know, because we were talking, I was asking him to kind of explain to me like how it works that there's this acceptance among, I think Ed has, there's six in his family, mm. but it's just accepted, you know, he will inherit the land. And even though all the other siblings loved that lifestyle and everything, and, you know, just, he was kind of, obviously, that acceptance isn't always always the case mm-hmm. but but you know he was talking about that and just this kind of um sense of communal responsibility to you know Ed said we would never divide up the farm between all of us because it would diminish the work my parents had put in mm-hmm. over decades Mm. to create this thing that has value of the farm that in the farm being this size and you know needing to be this size to have that value where, and then other people talk about future generations and their responsibility. So I thought in, in the context of the land, that was just really striking. And like I say, I find that really moving. And it's interesting because your book is about meeting the one, as the blurb says. But for a lot of people, the one is their land or, you know, how important that is to them. Yeah. And like, like, like I say, when, when Lisa last week in Kenny's, you know, she said, I absolutely love where I live in Galway. Mm. I love everything about it. There's just no men, you know, but like. <laughs> 
and you know she was just being brutally honest yeah. but like that that wasn't going to you know that kind of would, would come up you know that she wasn't the only person saying that of mm-hmm. like you know I'm not I I know I'm, I'm not meeting someone here I haven't yet it doesn't feel particularly like I will but that's not necessarily the be all and end all mm-hmm. you know and I could you know I, I found that I suppose very it's a very comforting thing to hear as somebody who went through a separation uh-huh. personally I love hearing that because it is the truth you know it is and again absolutely mad about my boyfriend he's a treasure but you know I I do think there is this feeling like when I separated I remember obviously I read the entire internet of every account I could find mm-hmm. and a word that came up a lot was people saying they had felt a sense of failure okay now I I didn't personally feel like that because I felt I know what it is to try and make it work and it's really hard and I think anyone who goes through that is the opposite of a failure you know because mm-hmm. they've probably done their best especially if there's children involved and you're trying but like there is that all those kind of terms attached with you know, not being in the happily ever after, you know, are so loaded and can really get in on people, you know. So I, I loved that there is stories like this stories of people who met when they were children and reconnected in later life. You know, there are obviously loads of stories of people meeting, but there are also stories of where, OK, maybe I won't meet someone, but mm. actually that's OK. And that's important for a book like Courting as well, isn't it? Because it takes away from the, you know, no, the number one thing, as you said, is meeting this life partner or, or, or a partner for the for the time being. Be- because you were in rural areas, was there much diversity to the communities? Yeah, there really was. And, and that was something I was really um, keen to, to, to represent in the book. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I suppose at the start, I almost overwhelmed myself because you're like, I want to tell every story. And then you kind of go, OK, you can't. You can't ever tell every story. There isn't a definitive amount of stories you'd be going for, you know, you'd be going forever. And I suppose what there is, so definitely there's diversity, but then there's what there is, I think, is kind of a universality of emotional experience. So, you know, the circumstances of somebody's life might be different, but you might see parts of your own story in their emotional experience of what they've gone through, you know. Okay. yeah. Well, it's just such an interesting take on the universal and, you know, world long topic that is courting and love and I I think you've taken up loads of things there like love of other things and love of your community and what really matters to people and I'm interested in knowing like the age group of people you talk to like that were they a little bit older like kind of 30s onwards rather than that my my youngest courtiers were 23 wow okay and that's still that sense of other things being as important yeah, like what I thought was really interesting there was a two spoke to two twenty three year old farmers, who were that's what they did. And one of them, Sophie, was is actually taking over her family farm to run it herself, which is incredibly impressive. Um, and I was kind of saying to them, you know, what struck me there was like, do you know, we get to a point in our lives where things kind of settle down, and there isn't that new influx of people mm-hmm. in your life because you're, but in your twenties is a real time for like you're moving around, different jobs, you know, friends of friends, all that. And it felt like they they were kind of missing that experience of being your 20s because they were taking on this huge responsibility yeah, for a much older at a person. really young age. Yeah. yeah. So, but but absolutely happy to do it. Like, obviously, I can only speak for the people I spoke, I talked to in the book, but there was a real sense in farming of, of almost vocational, you know, um, kind of attitude to it. And this feeling like I, I spoke to women who were, generations older 
<clears throat> excuse me, Orla, and they talked about like being, it was a sense of being beholden and kind of you shouldn't, aren't you, Christian, shouldn't you feel lucky that you've got this and that. Whereas the younger people I spoke to in their 20s and 30s had really actively chosen to be in farming and they'd oh, okay. all obviously studied and there was a real sense of choice and kind of positivity. So even though they might be, say, missing out on things like that or it might you know, kind of make things tricky in that sense. And then the oldest person I spoke to was 67. Okay. Okay. And what was their story? That's Erica, who's a farmer in, in North Cork. And her story was kind of, there were two things to it. One was about growing up, you know, with a very domineering father mm-hmm. um, and kind of coming into adulthood on the family farm, but never really being an equal and how that can kind of impact all aspects of your life. But, you know, obviously in the context of this book, you're kind of thinking, well, how do I, support a family mm. out of this and I'm you know all you know not having your own bank account and that kind of thing but then also Erica's story is is coming out as a transgender woman okay which she didn't do until she was 63 after her father died and she just had this really beautifully moving story mm-hmm. about the kind of coming out to her neighbors and this this again it's back to community this t- support from the people around her um and I suppose Sophie, who's the youngest, and Erica, who's the oldest person I spoke to the book, both in farming, like I was saying earlier, that thing of universality of emotional experience, like it was really interesting. They both talked about things like obviously their experience would be hugely different and, and age is, you know, with this ma- massive gap. But things like they both talked about Sophie's an agri-influencer and she talked about like, I love having my hair done and I love, you know, mm. but sometimes I feel like that undermines how seriously I'm taken Mm. as a farmer. And Erica talked about the same, like she loves, she feels like if she has her nails done, you know, she's done. Like that's, you know, people say to her, sure you're like, you're just milking cows. What do you need the nails done? And, you know, it was just that thing of being a woman in farming in quite a masculine world and kind of managing that kind of thing. So there, even though there was a huge age disparity, there were similarities in their stories, which I found really interesting. Uh, Well, it's fascinating. You've got some fascinating people as well. It it might be one for your Christmas stocking if you're looking for a book and you're starting that, sorry to say, Christmas shopping uh, in October. (laughs) Lots of people are. It's called Courting Tractor Day. How do you say courting? I say courting. You say it nicer than me. What do you say? No, 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 no. You're absolutely right. Uh, I've been, there's definitely debate over. There really it, is. Courting is really actually okay. the accurate. Um, so, yeah, totally. Okay, I'll that. go for it again. So, courting. It is tractor dates, macro babies and swiping right in rural Ireland. It's available in good bookstores and it's out now. Leo Don Hines, thanks a million for joining me this morning. Thank you so much, Orla. Lovely to talk to you. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Across the southeast, it is Beat 102-103. You're listening to The Sunday Grill. And look, we are hurtling towards the bank holiday weekend. Halloween is nearly upon us. And we're going to chat about a few events happening over Halloween to get you into the spirit of Samhain around the southeast. So let's start with Wexford, where the history and mystery of the 800-year-old Hook Lighthouse is being followed by a celebration of a free traditional Samhain festival. And then something for the less faint-hearted, and that is a devil hunt. It's all happening from October 29th to the 31st. And Lorraine Waters is the general manager of Hook Lighthouse is on the phone to tell us more. Hi, Lorraine. Hi, Orla. How are you getting on? I'm really well, thank you. And um, you've got some free, which is great for families and other people, and not free events happening for Halloween, don't you? Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, we'll we'll start with, I suppose, the free sound celebrations cool. first. And this would be traditional for Hook to have something for the families just to come down and relax. You know, kids are going to be home for a while, so mommy and daddy need to let the kids off and have mm-hmm. a coffee. So this year we're doing uh, pumpkin tossing 
tug of war Halloween treasure quest and we have a few surprises along the way and we'll have a few characters out on the lawns as well they won't be out to scare any of the kids but they'll be out to have a little fun you oh, know I like it you might Oh, God, yeah, we make Mammy and Daddy walk the plank a few times as well, you know. So we always have a bit of fun with that. And you're doing this on the Bank Holiday Monday as well, are you? You're incorporating yes, it into the actual it. day. Yeah, we're going to do it Saturday, Sunday and Monday for the free events up to four o'clock. Okay. And sure, at that stage, then they'll be going home to get changed to do a bit of trick-or-treating themselves. Exactly. Now... Let's talk about the scary stuff that if you're oh. dedicated enough, you'll have to throw a few euro in to do this. This is a this is a new thing. Well, the scary tours are not, but the reason for this one now has us a little bit upset. Anybody that knows Loftus Hall, the most haunted house of Ireland, is now being turned into a hotel mm. and the devil has been displaced. So instead of going out the gate and turning left, he went right and came down to the lighthouse. Oh, okay. Sure, you know, and the old coal store here would be a little bit dark for him, so I'm sure it would suit him. So we've heard he's on the move and uh, Halloween is the time he wants to come down to get in. It's the time he's the strongest, so we have to be vigilant to make sure he doesn't get into the lighthouse. Okay, so what happens? What will people be experiencing? Well, sure, look at, I, you know, his worshippers will be down here. There'll be ghouls, there'll be ghosts. There'll be a few that you won't want to see in the dark. Okay. You know, if you make it up the 115 steps to oust them, you'll be doing very, very well. So you're we heading usually, into the lighthouse, are you, on this? Oh, we're heading oh. into the lighthouse with this okay. one. We have to have people in the lighthouse to make sure, Orla, that he does not get up those stairs. If he gets upstairs to that lens, we are all in trouble. Okay. Now, this is for over 12s only, isn't it? Yeah, we, we, we kind of said maybe over 10s because some of the mammies were saying, just, oh, you know, our kids are okay with that. But we're saying we are here to scare. Okay. You know, it's going to be a little bit, you know, um, how will I put it, daunting. I mean, the devil's not an easy person to deal with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it's been a tough year for staff as well. So they're going to have a bit of fun with it, as you can imagine. Okay. And uh, if you've been to the tower, you'll know there's lots of little nooks and crannies along the way. Oh. So I'm sure you have a few surprises for people who are Oh, brave and, 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 and we're, we're pushing in a few more just, just, just for enhancement <laughs> now as well. <laughs> okay. I will not be doing that tour. I don't oh, think I'd be able to. We'd love it. We no. would never scare you, chicken. Never. <laughs> I think I would be scared just walking into the tower at night time. Oh, well. You know? Well, the aim, Orla, honestly, is a 24 per tour. If 12 make it to the terror, we'll kind of go, well, it's not too bad. Well, you're, well yeah, there you go. Right. You'll definitely be selling that to a certain type of person who loves a scare. It sounds like uh, some people will love that one. So that what days Orla, are that on? So that is on the 29th and the 30th. Okay. Um, okay. Yes, once we can out that devil by the 30th, it's okay, because he has to be in place for all Hallow's Eve. Okay. So once he's not there... By uh, Halloween night on the thirty first, we're okay, and that's that's the job we have to do now. Okay, so that is the devil hunting tours. The hint is in the name uh, for over twelves. You can book that. You need to book that one on hookheritage.ie. Yeah, um, atmospheric lighting. I've been told as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yeah, we're 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 going all out now this year. This is the first year really for I think for a lot of businesses we can kind of yeah. say breed and go have a bit of fun with yeah, this and enjoy, enjoy it. it. And yeah. we're going to make sure everybody does. We have one family that has booked sixteen tickets for this. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you're really all out for those. If you're listening this on. morning and you book sixteen tickets.
Be scared. Be very scared. Oh, be very. I'm after talking to him already. Be very scared. <laughs> and tell me, for the free events, people can just arrive, can they? People can just arrive, yeah. Um, Rose, of course, is doing the pumpkin painting and the art. Um, and she's got a little room outside as well. So, But it, it, everything will be taken as you find it. But there's enough on the grounds that people will be able to move from one event to the other. Brilliant. So we'll, we'll keep it very easy and flowing very, very well. Fab. Sounds brilliant as usual, Lorraine. That is Lorraine from Hook Lighthouse. What are we? We are Ireland's oldest working lighthouse, yes? Oldest operational intact lighthouse in the world. There you go. We're Eight. not at all precious You're about not that. At all not precious. <laughs> and if you want to be anywhere during Halloween, it is an 800 year old lighthouse. Lorraine, thanks a million for joining me this morning. You're very welcome. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103. Well, Waterford's Wicked Woods returns for Halloween this year. I've done this in the daytime TV and I was terrified, but that's just me, okay? Uh, If you're brave enough to head to the woods during sound, the traditional Celtic time of the year when autumn gives way to winter and light gives way to dark evenings. That sounds very lovely, doesn't it? Uh, Well, the Wicked Woods is brought to you by Waterford Spree and TV Honan from Spree joins me this morning to chat about spooky happenings off the Waterford Ring Road at Washford Woods. So an easy place to get to as well if you're not from the Washford area. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things we've noticed in the last few years because our site is just there at the, people would have known it as the WIT arena, but it's now the SUTU arena. So the Southeast Technological University arena. Correct. It's that big sports site there. So we're just at the entrance to the Greenway there. But it's a fantastic site. It's a, a lovely woodland setting. But like you say, it has really kind of opened us up to audiences in the southeast, you know, um, South Tip, uh, Kilkenny, Wexford, because people just literally kind of come over the new bridge and they're pretty much there. They don't have to come along the quays or into the city. And it's a good idea because it's an extension of what you're doing at Spree in the summertime and everything that you're using and then incorporating it into Halloween, really, isn't it? Well, some years back, um, um, Mike Lee, our artistic director, said, look, you know, we have a bit of time at that time of the year. Maybe we'll do something. So the first year we did it, we just put it in a small installation and we didn't think. You know, if, if a couple of hundred people came, that was going to be great. But it, it actually did quite well. And it has kind of grown since and has become something of a, a bit of a feature on the Southeast calendar now, do you know? So explain it to people who haven't been there, TV. As I said, I was there, I think, for the first one that had actual volunteers working at it as well. And I went to the daytime one, which is the least scary one. And I was quite scared. I was followed around by a... What would you call her? A uh, uh, bride corpse, a corpse bride, yeah. and you know, you know, you get the thrills that you want, don't you? Yeah, it's. Um, I I think the core thing is that it's a short stretch of woodland at the start of the greenway on that entrance there at the arena, and um, we we take it at night and we put lighting in and we put sound in, but critically, like you say, we put a live cast in as well, which really animates and brings life to it. Um, to be fair to Mike and his team, um, right from the outset, they, they didn't want to get into the territory of Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre. <laughs> I wouldn't go then. Version of Halloween. <laughs> we didn't. He didn't want to have blood. He didn't want to have gore. He was more interested in the idea of sound and that kind of traditional Celtic way of kind of doing it. So mm. I suppose the characters are, are spiritual 
we're um and we would think on the mildly scary end of the thing but of course Orla, the woods alone being in the woods at night alone mm-hmm. uh are in a, is an amazing kind of sensation um and then a couple of years into it um someone said well let's do a matinee show and i got to say i said um, why do we want to do a matinee show? Sure, that takes the whole good out of it. But then I noticed even in my own family, um, there were people with children who were a little bit on the nervous end mm-hmm. of things and just too young to be out there in the dark at night with the different spooky creatures and features and the light and the sound. It would be overload for them. Um, so we did a mat- started doing matinees in daylight and that proved to be really, really popular as well. Because it was kind of a uh, an entry level experience of Wicked Woods, do you know? <laughs> you can do the tougher stuff maybe the year next when they get, when they get a bit older, maybe. But um, the daytime matinee shows run on the half an hour from two o'clock on the Saturday, and then your nighttime shows are. Is there just one show a night then? No, um, there's a show every half hour. Okay. So you when you go online, you can book for six o'clock, six thirty, seven, seven thirty, etc. Do you know? Now show probably isn't the the best word for it because you're walking. It is a spectacular, but you're not sitting and experiencing something. So everyone is having a different experience, aren't they? Well, it's a lovely thing. I mean, you know, like you'll often have three generations of the same family. Mm. Granddad and grandmom will come and and their children and their children's Mm -hmm. children. Do you know? And I think it's so important at the minute. We've been very lucky this year. We're, We're all aware because it's in our own pockets as well. As, just as people ourselves, we're aware that these are tight times and Christmas is coming and people mm-hmm. are trying to save money. People are terrified about getting their ESB bill in and their gas bill in and they know what they're paying extra to go to work, putting diesel in the car, whatever. So we were really, really kind of keen to keep the prices within the range of ordinary people. So families could do things together, but they mm-hmm. wouldn't be broke at the end of okay. it. Yeah. And we're very kind of lucky um, that there's a company here in Waterford called Zinnia. Most people would formally know them as SE2. And we went and we told them this story and they were kind of really interested in that aspect as well. So they have sponsored it, which has meant that even though the cost of doing Wicked Woods has gone have gone up inevitably. Um, we've been able to kind of keep the admission prices okay. the same. So they're they're about a five or a head or yeah, a which is great. twenty twenty euro ticket for for a family for a of five. five. Do you know which is fantastic value these days? And we lo- and we like to think that it kind of creates a situation where people can still bring their families and not be broke at the end of it, you know. Well, true. Well, so much happening around the southeast for Halloween and Spree's Wicked Woods is one of them. You can check out more details at spree.com and you can book your tickets there as well and there's all the details of the times that you have. But it runs from the 28th, that is the Friday, uh, to the 30th of October, just in time for Halloween. I would say, yeah, I would say to people, thankfully, um, the bookings are going very well. It's a popular event. Um, And basically, when people go on to spree.com, they'll see the booking link and they can pick their day and they can pick their time. But if you click, say, Friday at six o'clock and Mm -hmm. there isn't availability that you need there, move on to half six and move on to seven and move on to half seven. um, But just to kind of get in there before 
uh, you're disappointed because yeah, I we see do. That there's a wait list already on some of well, the dates. Well, we do so. limit the numbers for a couple of reasons. One is that we want people on the sh- uh, participating or walking along the route to have a really good experience mm-hmm. and not to feel that there's another crowd coming up behind them pushing them up the trail that's one thing but also too is that let's be honest about it you know our old friend COVID is still out there Mm -hmm. um, and we want to kind of make sure that there's enough of space in between people and that it's all very relaxed but at the same time we want people to enjoy themselves but we want them to be safe as well so book, book early and of course, there's parking there at the Waterford Greenway Loads Car Park as well. Yeah. Loads of it. Uh, just check it out. It is spree.com. As I said, I've just clicked on Saturday here now. And there's some wait lists for some date of some times, but lots of times available as well. There. Yeah, too, and you're only kind of for for a big chunk of people who live in the southeast. You know, towns like Carrick and New Ross or whatever. You're you're literally a Don't half be. an hour spin away. And will you be dressing up yourself? I won't. I mean, I I think I'm the only one in Spree that has never been in a Spree. Kind of show. Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah, be, any of them. I'd be too nervous. So yeah. Would you? Oh, would you? But even dressed up, you could be someone completely yeah, different. Yeah, I've just never been able to get my head around it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a whole different conversation, Absolutely. TV. We'll have to have you in again. Thanks a million for coming in. That is The Wicked Woods, October 29th to the 30th. Spree.com if you want to book tickets. Thanks a million. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Okay, movie time. Let's talk about The Woman King. This one passed me by. And then I watched the trailer and I want to go see it. Classic Orla. I know you're not going to go see it though. Because no, I can't gosh. trust you at all, Orla. Quickly <laughs> comes out the telly. <laughs> and then you'll just, you'll be one night in three <laughs> years time like, oh, I watched that. It's actually oh, really yeah, good. yeah, remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so this is The Woman King. It's set in the 1800s about a group of all-female warriors who are protecting an African kingdom. A new threat comes along, the Europeans. And the next generation of recruits are trained to fight against a foreign enemy that's determined to destroy their way of life. This is such a non-Orla movie. Like, if I read that blurb I'd be like no that's not for me the trailer is phenomenal yeah. it just yeah loved it the music oh anyway um, I'm hoping it lives up to the trailer by the way and sometimes they just don't Oscar winner Viola Davis stars along with John Boyega who I haven't seen in uh, anything since really Star Wars uh, he was in a movie called Naked Singularity okay like, could have been 2020 it's, it was such a small movie but had a lot of famous people in it okay. but I actually really enjoyed it because he had like a sword going around that he was pretty cool but he's like an African king in this one now so yeah. Yeah, he's, he's really good you wouldn't he, like he, he's really plays the character well he's a good actor in general um, this has a budget of 50 million is that a lot I think so um, but is it a Braveheart or a, you know, Gladiator style movie or something completely different? Well, as you know, that voice, that is Brian, <laughs> a.k.a. my dancing king. Yeah, we were out this weekend and myself and Brian, I think we danced solidly for four hours. I'm not going to lie, well, I was so dehydrated after the night. <laughs> um, I like literally we were dancing and there was a two hour period where I think the only time we, we stopped is because we went down to get drinks yeah. because we could get them for free. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say if they weren't free we wouldn't have gotten them I'd say if they weren't free we would have got ourselves a pint of water to be smart my wadi because it's flavoured you see it's tactical totally anyway let's have a listen to (laughs) The Woman King and then Brian will tell us what he thought an evil is coming that threatens our kingdom our freedom but we have a weapon They are not prepared for. My king, 
the Europeans wish to conquer us. They will not stop until the whole of Africa is theirs. We must fight back for our people. Asking me to take them to war. war. Some things are worth fighting for. There you go. That is the Woman King, uh, Viola Davis, John Boyega. You say someone else? That's Lashana Lynch. She was in uh, the new James Bond movie. Oh, okay. As the oh, new yes. 007. Yes. Yes. Okay. She was actually really great in this. She yeah. probably is my favorite character in it because she's the the lovable teacher person. Even though the kind of Viola Davis is kind of this mean. Kind of leader woman. Okay. Um, she like, looks mean in it. But, but she, it's so funny though because in everything Viola Davis is in, she always comes off as as mean. But as the movie goes on, you really you you see why she's like this. Oh yeah. Except for the Suicide Squad, in which case she just gets more horrible as the movie goes out. That means she picks good movies though. She she, she is like like the movies I think she's the best in aren't the movies that she's been given the most credit for. Like okay. so she was. Fences I think she won the Oscar for I think Okay. didn't like that one but I loved her she was in The Help Um, she See, was in I thought she won the Oscar for The Help I loved her in The Help I thought Where she was brilliant was the maybe I'm d- directly wrong she's a nominee no she won for Fences was a nominee for Ma Riley's Black Bottom a nominee oh, for yeah. The Help and a nominee for Doubt she picks brilliant movies but like Ma Riley's Black Bottom is probably her realistically it is her role before this and that was phenomenal like Chadwick Boseman I do think should have won the I Oscar for her Really? Yeah, because it's too it was sad. On, no, because it was on Netflix. I just, oh. I was like, I need to see this in the cinema that I won't leave. I've just such a chance to just turn this off when no, things got a bit slow. And it did have slow moments. It, it did, but uh, yeah, no, that's it's it is a good movie though. Yeah. It, it would make you cry at the end, especially when you know Chadwick Boseman had died before yeah, it came out. Yeah, of course, like. of course. Okay, let's talk the Woman King. An odd name, but yeah. So it's it's basically this kind of there's a there's a there's an African translation for it but I'm not even going to attempt okay, that. No, don't do that but um so basically the woman king is is there's a king and then there's the woman king is kind of the his second in command not necessarily his wife not okay. necessarily the queen if that makes sense yes so uh, it's a role that's left on on like left empty and Viola Davis is kind of going for it but it's it's not really the the big thing right. it's kind of her origin story essentially as the woman king okay and it is it is one of those things so Tusu Mbedu is is Nawi. She's kind of the who we live through the movie with, and I just think she's fantastic. That's the young girl. That's right? yeah, that's okay, the young yeah. girl, and she she just kind of steals every scene she's in. I okay. think she's she's so fun, and she wants to change things, and she has all these ideas, but there's so many traditions and everything. But she just always sticks to her guns, and it is it's just. It's just one of those movies where yeah, I got completely sucked in. The only issue I have is it, it, it kind of dragged a bit. Okay. Like, the action is phenomenal. Like, the, the action fighting scenes are really, really good. And it's based... Like, it took me a while to realise this because I was like, is it based on some sort of folklore? But it's actually based on a true tribe. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I think, do you know the Dharma... The easiest way to describe it mm. is Joe you know and Black Panther... Yeah. Do you know the Dharmalaji and that which is like the woman kind of army that yeah. Black Panther? I feel like this is what the Dharmalaji is kind of based on. Now, okay. the, the Dharmalaji could be based on something else, but I feel like this is the most real life version of that you're going to find, okay. especially in cinema anyway. But okay. it is, it's, it's, it's just this badass group of things. Like they're essentially fighting people that are taking like African slaves as they kind of, they're fighting the oppression of that more right. than anything. Okay. And there's also like a rival tribe that's trying to like invade them. It's, it's it's good now, but like it has it has kind of same kind of same feeling as Django Unchained because it's like it's a movie about slavery, but it's 
but it's not just a slavery movie of slavery almost it's 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 kind of how africans are fighting back against Mm. slavery on the african side rather than like the americans coming in to help kind of a thing you know okay and were you like after the movie? I always find this is a good good sense of a movie. Did you get caught down a bit of a rabbit hole looking up all these sorts of things? Or no. Did but you just leave the movie and think no more about it? I I kind of happily left with just the movie because okay, uh, I, but you're happy enough to do that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'd. I sometimes I can get caught up on the weirdest of things, but yeah. I, I didn't. I just was happy enough to just watch it and enjoy it. You know, because it is. It's beautifully shot as well. Like it's 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 one of those things like. Like there's not many movies set in Africa that get to the cinema as well, like no, you know. That's true. So yeah. it's it's nice to just see a different place, and it feels like a different place, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't just feel like some soundstage or something. It's set on, even though it possibly a lot of it could have been. So apart from your one standout, um, the other two main actors, Viola Davis and John Boyega. Yeah. Uh, good. Yeah. So Viola Davis is always amazing. Yeah, she's kind of one of those things. It's it's persistent, fantastic performance. Like you, she's never going to do anything less than brilliant, yeah. you know. And she is. This badass who you're always kind of rooting for, even though you know at stages she's struggling because she is pushing on, and like she, she at some stages she goes in out of her depth, but she, you always want her to go win, like you know, because mm. she's just kind of like a mother figure, really. And is it, it always her wor- warrior side, or do we get to see her own life? We get to see why she becomes so hardened, and we get to see like her as a warrior as well, because she's a fierce warrior. There's okay. no questioning it, but like also why she is so overly fierce as well, if that makes sense. Okay. And then John Boyega is as fantastic as the king, really. Like, he's one of those, like, he just fits into the character. You wouldn't even, like, the accent is so good, you wouldn't even think that he comes across as going to yeah. be like, well, you know what, and he's off set, he's just talking in a yeah. hardcore English accent. West like you know? London accent. So it, yeah. it's a really good movie representative of the people, I do think. Okay, good stuff. It is called The Woman King. It is out now. How many black puddings are you giving it? Do you know I, I give it, like, an eight. Okay. I give it. It's a good movie. I I did enjoy. It. It's just the only thing is it just dragged. It's two hours and fifteen. Oh, why so did they do this? I just felt like some parts of it could have been cut down a bit, but at the same time, I can I can see why they left it the length they wanted. I mean, mm. it's not as if they left in too much. I just, for me, I wished it was a small bit shorter, more condensed, more action. And usual Orla questions very violent. That'll be a two it against is, me going. It is quite violent, to okay. be fair, but and not like overly violent. Okay, and sad. Um, there are sad moments, but it's not overall. You're not going to walk away feeling heartbroken. Okay, all right. I'll give it a go, and I'll hold a scarf over my eyes for the violent bits. Nine, eight, did eight. You say? I'll eight, eight. Black puddings out of ten for the Woman King. Viola Davis is the Woman King, and so many other people will recognise in it. It's out now. Thanks a million. No bother at all. The Sunday Grill on Beat One Hundred Two One Hundred Three.